0: Hello and welcome to Home Guard's latest podcast. Today's topic is entitled, These Super Sniffers Could Save Your Life. Rick and his guest, Linda Bowles, will explore how a local organization, Find'em Friends, obtains, trains, and provides highly skilled bloodhounds to law enforcement agencies throughout the country. These dogs have found criminals who are literally on the run, as well as everyday citizens, who have, willingly or not, disappeared. You'll discover how this program could be a lifesaver for you and those you love, as well as how you can become involved in this most important program. Our host is Rick Wareheim, Director of Home Guard Associates and the NRA's Regional Recruiter, with his guest, Linda Bowles, founder and owner of Find'em Friends. We hope you enjoy the podcast.
1: Hello, everybody. This is uh, Rick Wareheim from Home Guard Associates, and I'd like to welcome you to our latest podcast. And uh, I think you're going to find it uh, very interesting. It's a little bit, a little bit different. You know, we kind of try to get out of the box a little bit, but I think uh, you'll find that this is uh, a very, very worthwhile and interesting, interesting subject. Uh, today, our guest is uh, Linda Bowles and uh, she is the uh, owner operator of an organization called Find and Friends uh which uh, to my surprise uh is located right here in uh, in Crystal River Florida and uh, the essence of the business is uh Linda and her organization uh, finds and trains and then distributes uh bloodhounds uh to uh, various uh, uh law enforcement agencies uh, around the country and uh um, you might be saying to yourself, "Well, uh, I don't really plan on robbing a bank anytime soon, or having bloodhounds on my trail. So why does this? Uh, uh, why, why is this of interest to me?" I ask you to bear with us, uh, and you're going to see how this uh, truly uh, could be a uh, piece of life-saving information for you, uh, and a life-saving uh, service. Uh, maybe, if not you, someone in your uh, neighborhood. Uh, a relative or whatever, but we will uh, get into that. And Linda, I'd like to uh, welcome you uh, to our uh, to our podcast. And uh, if you if you don't mind, just tell us a uh, little bit about uh, the organization and its main mission. Okay.
2: Well, first of all, thank you, Rick and uh, Vinny, for allowing me to come in and uh, talk about what we do. Our organization is a 501c3, and it's a nonprofit organization that we have volunteers that come in and assist us to lay tracks and various other things fundraising for the organization for our mission. We train bloodhounds to scent discriminate and uh, then we gift them to various law enforcement agencies upon their request. We have roughly 30 right now gifted in nine different states.
1: Okay, and how long has the organization been around?
2: Since we formed the, uh, we got our 501c3 in 2014 so it was about a year before that 2013.
1: And uh, now how did you personally uh, I guess get the idea uh, for this and get it started and was there a particular uh, reason that this came into existence thank goodness it does but uh, what's the uh, history behind that?
2: Well it was uh, several of us founding members were associated with a bloodhound group and we decided we wanted to take off and do our own thing and put them into law enforcement free of charge the training and everything we just wanted to do it bigger and better
1: yeah and I uh, I'll say that, uh, to to the listeners that I had a chance to uh, visit with Linda the facility uh, obviously before we did the podcast and uh, it's a very very impressive facility I must say it's beautiful and it's the one thing that uh, that I noticed right from the beginning was it looks like it has a, a playground associated with it if you will and a, a lot, you know a large playground and so I asked about that and they told me there was a there's th- that it besides just probably having some fun there's a specific purpose for having something like that in the facility.
2: Well, there's uh, a few things. One, it keeps them tone and trim and... um You know, it allows them to get out and exercise. But it also, when they go out into the real world, if they are get used to moving parts, some tight spaces, that uh, they're they're not afraid of it. They'll go in there if if a piece of evidence is in there, they'll go in after it. Or if the person is in there, they'll go in after it without fear. And that's uh, one of the biggest things right there is to have a confident dog to perform. In such a way that they don't shut down when they're looking for a a person Mm -hmm. of interest or or a a missing child or an elderly person. You don't want them to stop in mid-track and be afraid of something and not be able to continue. You want that confidence instilled in them. And even though they're doing it just for play, when we're training them, uh, they have a ball. That's their that's their playtime they love it they you know they get treats and love at the end of every track but in doing this you know that you you still have to have a, a confident dog to to be able to get from A to B without fail
1: mm-hmm. now in their in their tracker training if you will uh, is that's done offsite uh, someplace then or is it done on-site and uh, and off-site or, or does that work?
2: Well, we, we let them play on the playground and have these moving parts under them. We have a moving, swing uh, swinging bridge, mm-hmm. moving steps, uh, slants, a tight spiral staircase, a tunnel that they go through. And this is all play. They do this on their own. But w- our training uh, consists of, my goodness, we go into Marion, we go into Levy, we train all over Citrus. We even take uh, road trips and we'll go up to Georgia and, play, and train with uh, a department up there that have has two of our hounds mm-hmm. so they can't just get used to training in one section mm-hmm. one place through the woods all the time and in one place they have to be able to explore all the odors all the different types of woods i mean we have thick thick palmettos we have a lot of vines we have down trees but a lot of hard surfaces in in town with uh, a lot of people a lot of animals uh, and so they need to experience all this so they go and and they're not Distracted, They're, they stay on track. They're not distracted by any of this. If a vine catches their harness or something, they know to push through. It doesn't hold them up to lose their train of thought. They just push through.
1: Yeah, and before I forget, too, besides the uh, the, the training itself, to put people's minds at ease, uh, who are you know we all are very sensitive to how dogs are treated and whatever, and that. And I, I, like I said before, it's a beautiful facility. <coughs> Besides, the serious training that goes on, where the dogs actually reside, where they live, is terrific. Right? They have their, uh, they have uh, obviously they have their indoor kennel, but then they have, they all have personal access, if you will, to the outdoors, uh, where they can go. They have terrific, uh, very special uh, uh, ways to uh, to rest. They uh, call them beds, but you know uh, that I know are. are, are bought specifically for them. <laughs> and they also have uh, they also have uh, shower uh, shower facilities they have a radio playing for them at all times and it's a uh, you know it's maybe worth staying a weekend I'd, I don't know you know so it was uh, it was really it was it's a beautiful facility I guess it's called Camp Hound
2: Right. Yeah,
1: yeah, and uh, and it uh, it was very very impressive and spotless. I mean, it was shiny clean. So it was it was impressive, Linda. And I uh, I, I just wanted to tell everybody that uh, you know besides the, the stuff that we're talking about, is the, to- the dogs are, are very 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 well uh, cared for uh, as well. So it was uh, it was good good to see. And uh, also, it, I'm glad that you mentioned that because you know. Going into this, as someone would ask me about bloodhounds and what they do, I always have in mind, you know, out in the woods and, you know, uh, doing that type of searching and all that. But you made it uh, known to me, which makes a lot of sense, is that not everybody that you're trying to find is necessarily traipsing through the woods.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, uh, we've had multiple finds in the city through neighborhoods. You know, somebody trying to elude the the, the police. They'll hide in a somebody's backyard in a shed, or mm-hmm. you know. So it's it could be anywhere. We've had them climb on top of roofs and think that they're going to outsmart that dog. It's pretty interesting the the positions and the hidey holes that they'll get into to yeah. try to get away.
1: Yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet. Oh, now, why? Uh, maybe more basic question is why bloodhounds. Uh, I mean, can you can you train a Chihuahua to go to you know to, to go tracing through the woods and find somebody? But in all seriousness, I mean, why bloodhounds?
2: Well, many dogs can be trained to do that job trailing, but in my opinion, the bloodhounds are you know the way God built them. They're the best in the business. You know, their bodies are big, thick necks, so thick legs, and they push through those uh, heavy. Uh, vines, their skin is loose. You know, they don't get hurt as easily with uh, thorns and stuff like that. When they put their heads down, their, their skin droops over their eyes so that it protects them from uh, pushing through the woods. The slobber that they manifest helps with the scent, holds the scent. The wrinkles hold the scent. Um, the ears whack the scent up to their nose and they have this organ in them it's called olfactory that the scent is contained in this one of the largest if not the largest in in any breed uh helps hold this the uh, the odor in there and they i call it like the scent locker mm-hmm. it holds the scent in there and they can um you can scent them up once after someone and run for miles or hours and they would never have to be scented again They've got that locked in until they find their person, okay. or you move on to something else.
1: Okay, and they, these qualities are pretty unique then to, to Bloodhound, Yes. Right? Okay, and where, where do, the, where do where the, the dogs that you have, where do they come from?
2: We have a few different breeders that we reach out to. We've gone as far as uh, Tennessee, Arkansas, Georgia, Alabama, the Panhandle. We have a few
1: Who gets the once they're
2: well? How long does the
1: training last typically? I guess it maybe varies from dog to dog a little bit. I would.
2: It does. It's just like a child learning uh, other ABCs. Some it takes uh, you know a little bit longer. Some get it right away. But you know we start our training at eight weeks old, and. Typically, they're done right around nine months, ten months, somewhere in there. And at that point, they're running six-hour-old trails, really? uh, at least consistently. And,
1: can I stop you there yeah. for a second? You mean they're, they can pick up a scent and track that scent for six hours?
2: No. What I'm referring to is the time lapse. So the person is lost, mm-hmm. say, at 12 o'clock, mm-hmm. and that dog oh. uh, comes out at 6 o'clock. That's a six-hour-old trail.
1: I got you. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say that same thing. It would be extraordinary. Uh, I don't know if I could walk for six hours straight. <laughs> <So, laughs> hey,
2: it's happened. It's happened. I mean, we've been on some long, long tracks.
1: Yeah, I bet. I bet. And we'll get to you know some, some examples, too. I think uh, the, the audience is going to find some of the real-life stories pretty interesting, too. But before we get to that, now, how, uh, who gets the dogs? How do they get the dogs?
2: Right now, it's all word of mouth. We, uh, our first one went to Citrus County. She's still working. Mm -hmm. Um, Her name is Allie. Um, Her handler is uh, Deputy Dearden. Then from there, word just got out, and uh, we have roughly 30 placed right now in nine different states. Mm -hmm.
1: They find out about you, like I guess you said, just by word of mouth, just in the, if you will, in that industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your name is out there, your reputation is out there, and people people are finding you. yeah, that's good. And during this training, out of curiosity, uh does anybody whether it be the dogs or the or the handlers, uh does anybody not make the cut? Is there a situation where it just isn't working?
2: So far, Knock on wood. Okay. We have not. We haven't uh, had any uh, dogs fail, and when the handlers come in, you know, I usually speak to the agency, mm-hmm. whether it be their their sergeant or even their sheriff, and I tell them what I'm looking for, what type of person and personality that I'm looking for that would, would complement running a bloodhound, mm-hmm. and uh, so far they've sent me some good guys, okay. women,
1: and how long do they get trained? They get trained by you, right? assume, with the dog? Yes. And, and how, long, how long How long? do they train?
2: Well, typically, it's a week. They come in for a week. It's been uh, sometimes longer, two, three weeks. But they, they're they getting the gist of it during that week. Mm-hmm. They go home with strict instructions and uh, guidelines on, you know, you got to continue bonding with your dog. That's important. That dog needs to trust you. Bloodhounds are very sensitive. They'll shut down if they're that handler has a heavy hand or gets you know frustrated for whatever reason so i caution them that don't have heavy hands um love that dog and that that yeah. dog will work it's a little hard out for you
1: and i assume you, you folks are also available for follow-up these questions or, or, or oh, problems yeah. or whatever where somebody gets a dog they go back to their home uh city or state and uh, experience some problems that they mm-hmm. didn't anticipate maybe and uh, they can give you a call and, and try to get it straightened out.
2: Right? Sure. I get calls all the time referring to different tracks or training issues, dog issues, dog health issues. So I'm, I'm available 24-7 yeah. for these deputies.
1: Speaking of, of health, uh, how long uh, uh, do these dogs do their job? I assume that there's like all of us, <laughs> there's a certain point in time where it's like a little too much for them. And uh, what's the typical uh, experience that they? Would well, have? just like
2: you said, all of us have different timelines. Mm-hmm. So does a dog. You mm-hmm. know, you watch a dog. You you know, when it gets to that point, you really know your dog. And if he's off, she's off. You'll know it. And uh, you know, when she's starting to slow down, and it looks like uh, retirement is in hand. Uh, but that's usually around typically nine years, somewhere in there.
1: Okay. Long time
2: yeah well yeah. my my girl right now she's 10 and a half and she's still tracking like a machine now she can't hold the heat like she used to running yeah. the heat uh, so i I give her short tracks and uh, she gives some wonderful negatives that i I use her for that but she's still tracking hard
1: so on a practical level uh, having been at your site and again it's it's uh, compounded as is- a Terrific place, but it's it's first class uh, for sure. And Thank I know you. you have some employees out there, and uh, the equipment is uh, as you explained to me out there. I mean, there's a whole science to proper equipment for the dogs, and and that, and, uh, and their care. And so far as the expenses go, how do you how are your expenses handled?
2: Well, we uh, we're blessed that we have um, um, some. a a donor that believes in our mission and uh, loves the dogs and she works well with us uh she she just she's all in um and it's allowed us to turn a corner here recently that uh we've hired three people that we can train five days a week uh six days a week and and we also before i was doing all the kennel work seven days a week and and now now uh, we've got uh, folks that come in and, mm-hmm. and help out with that, along with our volunteers. Our volunteers are just extremely wonderful. You know, they come out and do certain things. They train with the dogs still. They lay tracks. They uh, do fundraising with us. There's just a, a wonderful group of people. We couldn't do it without them.
1: Okay, and the volunteers are just regular citizens. Regular You're citizens, Sorry, yeah. yeah. If someone would like to get involved with <laughs> you folks, as a, if, <laughs> assuming you, you need a volunteer or in the future may need a volunteer or whatever how uh what's the best way of, of them getting involved with you
2: we have a monthly meeting it's the first sunday every month at 12 and then come out and they join in there at the the kennel and um just learn about us um you can reach out call me you can find us on uh, facebook find a friends inc um you could back message us um and and just find out what we're all about and see what types of uh, things you would like to volunteer with, whether it's, uh, you know, sit in a booth. We would love to have a uh, a grant writer. <laughs> but um, there's just there's so many different things, you know. They can support us, um, you know, just getting the word out, well, anything would, like that.
1: I would assume that you wouldn't be adverse to someone giving you donations as well, right? Oh, absolutely.
2: You know, we accept donations. We would love donations. It just helps the mission okay. keep going. We put it to good use, and uh, we're growing. We just bought the two pieces of property next to us. We're looking to put up a building for uh, officers to come in and have a place to stay when they're there training.
1: I, I think on that point, I would, if you agree, I, I, from the sound of it, the most efficient way for our listeners to get involved or, or to at least find out uh, more that we may not cover here uh, would be to go to Facebook. Mm. Is that yes uh, correct? And then uh, say f- uh find them friends. Yes, and they can take it from take it from there. So uh, like the monthly meetings. I assume you'd probably want them to maybe call in advance and let them let folks know they're going to be there, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: it, it yeah. kind of gives us an idea how many is going to be there, and we typically have a potluck. Uh, somebody bring a, you know a covered dish or. You know, just just to make sure we we got all the bases covered.
1: Yeah, and um, of course they can find it on Facebook. But for the sake of the podcast, what what is the address there?
2: Eight Seven Five Two North Briar Patch Avenue, Crystal River. Okay,
1: and for those of you folks that are familiar with uh, Citrus County geography, uh, it's uh, north of the uh, north of the mall, probably yes. a mile or two.
2: It's about it's about three miles uh, north of the mall. It's in the Manor yeah.
1: area. At least that'll get you started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then once you're there, you have to pay attention to your GPS. <laughs> right? I mean, you're tucked away. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful setting. And it is, uh, I guess, quite nicely uh, tucked away for the dogs and mm-hmm. all that, where it's peaceful and, uh, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful setting. So I think that's a pretty good introduction. Uh, now I would like to, as I promised our listeners, I'd like to start getting to uh, some specifics that uh, they uh, might might actually should be interested in insofar as what your uh, what your program is about like i said there's this you know my perception was bloodhounds are fantastic but they're out there chasing criminals you know and there's a lot more i found out <laughs> there's a lot more to it than that and a lot more that our listeners should be uh, should be aware of uh, i want to turn this over to you then and talk about the uh, the scent uh, kits and uh, what what that all that program's all about
2: well, originally we were purchasing these kits and then giving them to the community. And then we, we did a little more research and we started making our own.
1: I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but but tell us what the kits are to begin with.
2: Okay. So the kits are, they, they inside these uh, boxes, they have a sterile gauze pad. They have sterile gloves, a jar, and security tape and a a sticker. So those are to scent your loved one up, meaning you take the pad and you rub it and collect the odor and that's what you present to the dog to find the person. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you should have a elderly loved one that has Alzheimer's or dementia or just perhaps has a tendency to wander, you can collect the odor before. Be you're being proactive, collect the odor before, store it and we tell everyone to put it on top of their refrigerator because everyone you can probably think of has a refrigerator and the deputies all know to look on top of the refrigerator in case of an emergency because if you take that jar the scent and put it in the i don't know in a drawer somewhere you'll never remember you even have one much less where you put it Mm -hmm. okay so, kind of out of sight, out of mind, up on top of the fridge. If that elderly person ever elopes, you have a fresh scent that the bloodhound can start from. If you think about it, if I shake your hand, my odor is on your hand. If I touch your shirt, my odor is on your shirt. So, in a household where where there's more than one person living, everything is cross contaminated. Your odor is over here, and there's over here, and, and it goes in a laundry basket, so it's all cross contaminated. Mm-hmm. Is it impossible to track with that? No, we've been doing it for ages, just like that. Pull something out of the uh, laundry basket or, or off of the um, the bed, mm-hmm. a pillowcase or something. But this is giving the dog a little more of an edge, allowing them to work off a of pure odor.
1: And situations like this, it's literally every minute counts, right? Yes. And so, with the uh, with the designated kit, is you have a. a call it a pure scent Mm -hmm. and uh, it just saves time and trouble
2: it saves time and trouble you don't have to go through that process of elimination because the first thing you do when your loved one is missing you go out and you look you look and look and look and then you call 911 well then your odor is all out there the neighbors are out, you know, everything is out there Mm -hmm. Um, and then you go through that process of elimination with your dog, check this one, check this one check this one, go after the missing member Mm -hmm. the missing person Mm -hmm. So it's it's time. It's time.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's it's, it's obvious that uh, for people in a household where someone uh, has dementia mm-hmm. or the onset of dementia, even just early stages or Alzheimer's or, or whatever, that having a kit like this available makes tremendous sense. We hear about it all the time here in, in Citrus about, you know, someone's missing and here 's his description, and he's out somewhere and we and, and we don't know that I think is pretty self evident what struck me is when you and I were talking about this however, if you stop to think about it, it makes sense for everybody to have this available uh, if you have children uh in the house and uh, the children uh drift off or God forbid something worse happens to them uh, you have that for the uh, you know you have that for the kids, so we have the kids we have the if you will, the older folks, dementia people. But I'm just thinking in terms of just an everyday person who maybe goes out uh, for a, a run, a walk, mm-hmm. or whatever, goes out on the trail and breaks his leg um, or or passes out or has a heart attack or yeah, all the bad stuff, okay, where it can happen to any of us. You don't have to be necessarily in these specialized categories, but uh, to me it, it seems to make sense for... Uh, uh, everyone in your household uh, to, to have this okay, maybe not too practical, I understand but for sure uh, if you have any of these special categories, and I would say the, the people uh, suffering from dementia, Alzheimer's, and kids uh, I think it goes without saying that you should have one of these kits for them.
2: Exactly, you know, autistic children um, adults uh, anyone with uh, autism, mm-hmm. that's um, that's a high one on the list, you know, uh-huh. because they, they will at some point elope. And they tend to like water, and they'll go to a body of water. In in many, many cases, they don't know how to swim. Mm-hmm. They don't understand the depth of the, the water or what type of dangers are, are there. Right. right. So, so uh,
1: assuming everyone agrees that... Uh, Uh, that that these are good things to have, I'm talking about our listeners now too, is where do they get the kits?
2: You can contact Find a Friend's. We sometimes go to have a booth set up, say the Strawberry Fest or different various places, sure. usually with the Sheriff's Department and also at the Sheriff's Department. So at all the locations of the Sheriff's Department, you can stop in, get a donation, pick one up.
1: Okay. And these are available all, all the time? Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm thinking if they're running short, they can just give you a call and you know, yes. resupply yes. them.
2: And the Sheriff's Department lets me know when they're running short, when I restock them. Mm-hmm. But let me, let me tell you, these kits... So there's um, multiple components in the kits, and we have partnered with the Key Training Center, and they their work program builds those kits for us, mm-hmm. puts all the components in these boxes, tapes them up, and then puts them in larger boxes, a case, mm-hmm. which holds 64 of these. They do all that for us, so w- we love that partnership because it's, it's, it's like full circle. Mm-hmm. We're putting them to work, and they're helping us out, and we're... Putting them back out in the com- community.
1: That's yeah, terrific. Is it? Is that uh, specific to Citrus County? What we've covered. I mean, insofar as availability and the thing?
2: Yes, that's specifically to Citrus County. There's some other. No, we. I just shipped uh, some down to Pasco. Pasco has our kits. Indiana has our kits. There's multiple places that have our kits, mm-hmm. but they they typically get them in smaller quantities and they put them out as needed. Like if they come across a person of need, they go ahead and get a kit for them and and, and store it in the in the proper locations.
1: Our podcasting uh, audience, if you will, typically runs from uh, South of Tampa, I would mm-hmm. say, uh, through uh, through the Gainesville area. So that encompasses quite a few counties okay so typically uh well let me put it this way could could one of our listeners say uh, uh, outside of citrus county Mm uh get in contact with their police department and just at least if they don't have it currently is like put the bug in their ear that uh, this might be something worth getting involved in
2: absolutely absolutely now they we don't we don't make a profit off of these Mm -hmm. but it it costs us approximately Six dollars per box to uh, to to put them together and then pay for having them assembled. Not cheap. No, it's not cheap. But there's other people that do this in the business and uh, theirs are twenty plus each. So, like I said, we're not making a profit. We're just trying to get out, put them out there to help someone.
1: Let, Let let me give you an opportunity maybe to to kind of bring this home to people is uh, maybe you could relate some specific instances where you guys were uh, involved in in uh, finding uh, in in, uh, finding a person that needed finding
2: so a real quick one was probably about five years ago i got a call saying that a family had a a missing gentleman with alzheimer's and they had a kit and they've already had boots on the ground they had a, a shepherd on the ground, and they had the helicopter in the sky looking for this gentleman. And they said, well, you know, the, he has a kid. So they called me out. I get out there, and within five minutes of me putting my vehicle in park, we found him. We found him that fast. And part of the reason was, so it was at night, and it was cold. So your home heater is on, and it puts off heat around a, a building. And his body heat, he, he when he left home where my dog tracked was down the road back again and then he tried to find his home he was actually only next door but he was tucked in next to the house behind bushes the shepherd couldn't find him because there was multiple people there and they don't scent discriminate they go after a human odor or crush vegetation the helicopter couldn't see him because the their flare was picking up the heat from the house, not his body heat. So that's why it was. it's so important to have a tool that would work in a situation such as that. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all very good tools. Uh, the helicopter, the shepherd, boots on the ground, that's, that's all part of it. Right. But in this situation, it was good to have a bloodhound.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, is that uh, like in most things involved in safety and security... Maybe life in general. Uh, the more tools that you have, uh, the better uh, the better off you're going to be uh, just to cover you know cover the various uh, situations that you're inevitably going to face.
2: And you know they have they have the uh, transponders, I guess I don't know what they are, tracking devices that they put on uh, elderly person, and those are good. That's another layer of protection. Right. but so we're finding out also that the elderly as they progress, they typically get thinner. So this thing can slip off their hand, or their skin breaks down, or the battery's not charged, or they don't keep up the, the monthly dues, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, to keep it it's on. a subscription. Subscription, scenario. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and then there's other different things. So this is just another layer of protection.
1: Yeah, and it's a, it's a good one. I mean, mm-hmm. like you just talked about all the things that could go wrong with... We all know electronic things and, exactly. and stuff like yeah. that, but here you have that kit sitting on top of your refrigerator. Mm-hmm. The police are aware that, uh, that it's, if you have one, it's going to be there, and you open up the lid and off you go, right? I mean, exactly. there, there's there's nothing, there's no. I forgot the mail and the check. You know, I mean, it's exactly. it, it, it's there. So again, to have that uh, have that tool available. Uh, to me, seems uh, as I've said a couple of times already. But as you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan. <laughs> uh, I think this is a, just a terrific idea. I never knew it existed uh, until uh, you know until recently. And uh, but once you, I think our listeners will hopefully agree is once you hear about this, I mean it's something that it's relatively easy to put into place for you and your family. Relatively, uh, you know, it's it's totally inexpensive. Hopefully, you'd make a donation because you realize the you know the value of it. But it's done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a one-time thing, and you're uh, and you're finished with it, which is, I think, a very valuable, a very valuable thing.
2: So we were blessed with a with a grant uh, that we applied for to uh, be able to put the scent kits into the schools. Mm-hmm. So we have gone to the day uh, preschools. Mm-hmm. And we were putting them in the, all the preschools, and that that'd take them into at least fifth, sixth grade, of having that kit. And we have roughly fifteen plus thousand kits in Citrus County. Mm-hmm. And if we've only found one, mm-hmm. in my opinion, it was well worth it. Well, oh,
1: that's no kidding. That's no kidding. You know, um, uh, just. I know you were getting into the kits themselves and all that, and now we're talking about kids and all that. So it might be important just to let people know specifically how the how the the kits, the cloth, whatever, how it's all applied, and just what you know what that what that encompasses. Like where where do you where would you take the sample and and
2: so you would if it's a a child that can't follow directions yet or has the inability to follow directions or an elderly person that. That simply cannot understand and follow the directions. You know, being prompted on how to do it. You would put the gloves on, and then you would open up the the ABD medical pad, the, the and then you would take it and rub it on the back of their necks, on their belly, and their backs. And then you just simply store it, put it in the jar, and okay. seal it. That's it. Real, simple, real, so. real yeah. easy. Real yeah. simple. If you collect it for someone, there's a place on the label that says collected by. So you would put that person's name that you uh, pull the scent from, the date, and then collected by um, whomever collected it. Okay. But if a child can do it themselves, that's best case.
1: Is there a lifespan to the uh, to, to the?
2: Well, I ran a track. It was five years, eight months old, and that was in um, kind of escapes me right now. Palatka. It was in Palatka. And these children, they had scent kits, and I was called in to assist the agency there. And my dog took a positive track, and that scent kit was five years, eight months old.
1: Kind of a technical question, I guess, but it just struck me when you were saying about white, you know, doing the wiping and all that, like people with their people wearing aftershave. Uh, suntan lotions, perfumes, mm-hmm. I guess. Is, it, is this something you need to take into account when you're taking that
2: no. sample? No, because they're not after a certain cologne or perfume or an aftershave or, or lotion or anything like that. They're after the human odor and that specific human odor.
1: So they can, uh, God love them, they can separate the, the human yeah. odor from the perfume that the person
2: yeah. is right? Yeah, You know, I always always said the bloodhound's nose is so sensitive that, you know, you go into your, your kitchen and you can tell somebody's cooking uh, sauce, uh, pasta sauce, you know, a, your favorite thing. Yeah. You go in there, wow, you smell it. Well, that bloodhound will walk in there and smell the garlic, the tomatoes, the re- oregano, the, all the ingredients of that pasta. Mm-hmm. So all we smell is, oh, wow, there's yeah. my favorite dish. Right. They smell everything.
1: Yeah, that's a good way of uh, of understanding the yeah, the dynamic there. It's good. I think uh, we are going to wind this down. It uh, we we've given out a lot of inf- a lot of information. Uh, I, in my opinion, very useful information. I hope our listeners take advantage of it. And uh, one more time, then uh, Linda, if you, if you'd like to, just tell the people. Let's just remind them. Best way to get uh, to to get in contact with you and get involved with
2: you. Our uh, Facebook page is Find M Friends Inc. You can go on there, you can like us, you can follow us, see what we're doing, see what we're all about. My number's on there. You can back message me. I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Usually I'm in the field working a dog, but uh, we'll get back to you. If you don't have Facebook capabilities, we have a blog. You can find us uh, on there. I'm not quite sure how, (laughs) but... uh, we have a blog i guess find a friends blog
1: okay how yeah. about a phone number for you
2: okay it's 352 613 3486
1: okay terrific linda i want to thank you uh, this uh, this was a uh, it was a lot of fun for me Uh, For sure, and I, uh, you know, as usual, doing these podcasts, I I learn, you know, which is uh, which is uh, a positive thing for me. Hopefully, it's a positive thing for our uh, for our listeners as well. As I always tell them, uh, uh, you listeners know how to get a hold of me if you have any questions, comments, or whatever. Please, uh, you know, please uh, do so. Uh, I'll I'll say this uh, quickly to uh, to to the folks too: is if you folks have any ideas about uh, future podcasts. Uh, please uh, let me know and I'll be happy to uh, happy to try to get it done for you but this one was was terrific and Linda uh, thank you again please say hi to all the dogs for me I will i <laughs> I enjoyed meeting them They're uh, they're beautiful beautiful, beautiful dogs they're very uh, you know very impressive and what they do is just mind-boggling
2: <laughs> so thank you Thank you, Rick okay. Thank you Vinny.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this presentation and will take advantage of the information provided. Please direct any questions or comments to Rick at HomeGuardAssociates1776 at gmail.com. Please visit HomeGuard's webpage to catch up on previous podcasts and newsletters, as well as information on upcoming events. Stay safe and secure with advanced planning and preparation.